0: in all listen to the sunny side of sports
1: great show bro this is sunny side of sports right here on the voice of america voice of america
0: Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Yeheyes Wuhib sitting in for Sunny Young in Washington. Welcome to the May 25th edition of The Sunny Side of Sports. Sunny is in Kigali, Rwanda, with our colleague Eddie Irwima getting ready for the Basketball Africa League semi finals tonight. In game one tonight, going on right now, Angola's Petro Di Luanda and Cameroon's FAP. Force Army and Police battle for a place in Saturday's finals. The teams have met twice before in this BAL season, with Petro coming out on top both times. And for the second game, it's a rematch of last year's finals. U.S. Monastir again confronting reigning champions Zamalek. They tip off at 19.30 UTC. Yesterday, Sunny spoke with our colleague Kate Pound-Dawson about how financing makes a difference for the top-tier clubs.
2: Teams that have been around for a while are they doing better financially? How does financing play into the success of different teams?
3: Good question, Kate. In the case of Zamalek and Monastir, uh, you have Zamalek from Egypt and Monastir from Tunisia. Uh, I, I would say they are probably uh two of the most stable uh teams financially uh in this tournament and over the years in African men's club basketball as a result they've been able to retain their players they're they're able to pay them uh, you know they can pay them salaries uh to to basically play basketball uh, all year round other teams for instance Rwanda energy Group already uh uh, I'm pretty sure Robert Pack ha- is packing his bags, leaving that team as the head coach. And one of the reasons is the Rwandans simply can't afford to pay him the salary that he's asking for uh, to stay. And that also applies to players, Kate. P- these players here in Kigali have moved around a little bit, some switch teams, primarily because, you know, it, it's it is difficult for some teams to pay and retain their players. So they have to you know, maybe cultivate cultivate local players. But, yeah, finances, I think, are, are have a huge impact on the success of a team, Kate.
0: That was Sonny Young speaking with Kate Dawson. You also can follow the actions on Sonny's Twitter and Facebook pages. And VOA is broadcasting the action right here and online. A member of Zamalek Basketball Club of Egypt says the team is optimistic about their semi-final game against U.S. Monastir of Tunisia. Zamalek, defending champion of the Basketball Africa League, defeated Saidu Legacy Athletic Club of Guinea 66-49 to qualify for the semi-finals in Kigali. U.S. Monastir of Tunisia beat the Cape Town Tigers of South Africa 106-67 to set up up a semi-final clash with Zamalek. Ike Diogu plays for Zamalek and is the former captain of Nigeria's national men's basketball team. Diogu spoke to Iron Mike Mboni about the game against the Tunisians.
1: Uh, the game was, um, it was kind of sloppy. It wasn't our best game, but um, you know, a win is a win. Um, that's a, that's a good team that we played, so, um, I'm just happy that we were able to get the victory.
4: Your next game is a semifinal. it will be a semifinal game against U.S. Monastery of Tunisia. How is the team looking up for that game? What are your expectations as you take on the Tunisians? Uh,
1: it's a very good team. Um, you know, they have a lot of experience, uh, a lot of guys from their national team, so, it's going to be a tough game, but um, you know we just have to stay solid to our game plan,
4: and I think we'll be fine. Zamalek has not lost any games since they won the first edition of the Basketball Africa League, and uh, it's been uh, said and that there are you know expectations that Zamalek will retain the title this time around. What are your thoughts on this, or your take on this?
1: Uh, well, that's what we hope to do. Um, but we got to take it one game at a time. We can't get ahead of ourselves, so we just have to focus on the game against the Tunisian team and uh, go from there.
4: Aside the Tunisian team, are there other teams too you feel that could be of uh, that will be that will give you a tough time for your money?
1: Uh, There's only four teams left, so um, all the teams here are capable of uh, beating anybody. So um, we don't take any team lightly. And um, we're excited to play whoever's in front of us. Uh,
4: What's the mood in the camp after your victory yesterday?
1: Uh, The mood was pretty good. I mean, we won. It's our first game in over a month. So um, it's good to get the rust out and the kinks out. And um, we're just uh, ready to get this thing rolling.
0: Ike Diogu plays for Zamalek and he spoke to journalist Mike Mbonier on the telephone from Kigali. The third place game is Friday and the championship game is Saturday. Sports experts applaud South Africa's Cape Town Tigers for their performance in the 2022 Basketball Africa League after the debutants secured a spot in the top eight but lost in the quarterfinals. For more on the Tigers' performance, Sunny Young sat down with Ralton Buysen, the Tigers' head coach.
2: Coach, congratulations on the Tigers' advancing uh, to the quarterfinals. I know it ended in disappointment, but... Uh, you're a relatively young team. Uh, your thoughts on the Tigers uh, making it to the quarterfinals?
5: Yes, so it was a tough uh, one-and-a-half-year journey to get us here. Um, I'm very proud of the players, of what we've achieved. Uh, we've won the Cape Town Championship, uh, South African Championship, Six Championship, and we made it through the Elite 16. Um, from there on, we went to the Nile Conference, and now the last eight playoffs, so it's an achievement, Um, however, you know, I'm a competitor, I'm a winner, you know, I like to win, and we could have played our own brand of basketball last night, and we could have have won the game, but just players uh, decided to do their own thing instead of the game plan.
2: The teams that advanced to the Final Four uh, here in Kigali, all uh, well-established, have have been uh, long time uh, stalwarts in African basketball, did the experience uh, factor play a role? Is it's
5: def- definitely experience and uh, at playoff level, it's a margin of error. Any small mistake you do, teams like this, it's well established that playing together for years. will capitalize on that. Um, also, these teams have played a lot of games through the year, competitive games. Uh, we've just played less than 10 games for the entire, and I think that matters. The team need to play more competitive games. And when we play more games, we can iron out, you know, what are you doing right, what are you doing wrong, and then again build on that.
2: In terms of building on this experience, Coach, uh, what's next for the Tigers in terms of competition?
5: Yes, so we got the invite to the Cave of Defoe in Paris um, for next month. Uh, we're looking to go there, but we first have to check the schedule back home to see if we have to play... Uh, Uh, our games in terms of the Cape Town Basketball League so if they have games scheduled for us then we'll decide rather to stay back in Cape Town and compete because we need to win the Cape Town Basketball League in order to advance to the South African Championship.
2: Have you received uh, much response either in social media or traditional media uh from Cape Town on the Tigers uh, reaching it Reaching
5: this level, we got a lot, a lot of positive response, you know, from fans, you know, from compared from clubs we compete against. Uh, just, just congratulating the team and how what we've done for South Africa by being in the top eight out of fifty-four clubs, you know, in Africa. So, you know, again, thank you for the support um, from the minister, you know, down to the clubs and the players in South Africa. We do appreciate it um, and. We will definitely be back here next year and trying to do better.
2: From a societal and sporting standpoint, Coach, do you see more uh, African boys and girls maybe picking up a basketball now after seeing some of the games here in Kigali and and the competition earlier in uh, Senegal and Egypt?
5: No, no, definitely the sport in Cape Town. I can talk out of personal experience. We get so many emails and WhatsApps from people that say, I want to know how to play basketball. I want to join the Tigers. And I'm sure other clubs are getting the same. And the Basketball Africa League is just bringing that. Uh, in South Africa, it was televised on, on the local uh, broadcasting st- station. And that, in fact, creates opportunity for people to see basketball. It's just normally the soccer, cricket and rugby. And I think the sport is going to grow more because of what the Basketball Africa League is bringing to Africa.
2: Gender gender equity a big issue for the Basketball Africa League. Can you make some general comments on uh, females being on the court as a referee and? Other other uh,
5: initiatives by the Basketball Africa League. Yes, th- that's definitely a good initiative. You um, know, I spoke to Coach Les Mills before uh, we left. Uh, it's good to have females in that positions. Young girls can see now there's someone I can look. I can also be a referee. I can also be a coach, and not at any level, at the highest level in Africa. So what the referees and what coaches like Coach Les Mills is doing for the sport you know and for gender equality is just amazing and i would just say continue what you're doing uh, you inspire a lot of people out there um not only in the basketball community but you know in communities where where equality is needed
2: finally coach uh from a personal standpoint did did you learn some new coaching techniques or maybe uh picked up a few new things here in kigali watching the other coaches
5: yeah no <laughs> I believe that um, we all learn, you know, until we open our eyes as a baby, um, and as you grow, not only in sport, you know, business, you know, socially, you learn out from other people, from experience from other people, and I've learned a lot uh, being, being part of the Basketball Africa League, Routubal, till here in Gigali, and I will take that experiences, you know, go analyse and become a better coach and better person.
2: Relton Boyson, head coach of the Cape Town Tigers, thank you for talking with us.
5: Thank you for having uh, me, Sonny. I hope we can do this next year with better conditions, uh, lifting the trophy. <laughs> thank you.
0: Thank you, coach. That was Sonny Young interviewing Relton Boysen, the Cape Town Tigers head coach in Kigali. I am VOA's Yehyes Wuhib in Washington, and you are listening to the Sunny Side of Sports.
2: I am from Africa. Malaria kills thousands of children every day. Don't let your child be one of them. Make sure they sleep under a treated mosquito net. Beating malaria is like winning at basketball. You need to get to the net.
0: This is the voice of America. Washington, Bob D.C. Voice of America. our listeners just a reminder that we have moved our programs to voaafrica.com there you will find all your favorite voa radio and tv programs and a whole lot more find us at (laughs) voaafrica.com Now let's bounce over to the National Basketball Association tonight. The Eastern Conference playoffs move to Miami for Game 5. The top seeded Miami Heat and second seeded Boston Celtics are tied up at two games apiece. The Heat rallied the second half to take Game 1. Boston used a huge first half run to win Game 2. Miami answered back on Game 3 and the Celtics rumped in game 4. Last night, Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks avoided being swept with a 119-109 victory over Golden State in game 4 of the Western Conference Finals. Associated Press correspondent Bob Stevens has the report.
2: The Dallas Mavericks staved off elimination, defeating Golden State 119-109. So now the Warriors lead the series three games to one with game five back in San Francisco on Thursday. Mavs led by 15 at halftime, extended that lead to 29 after three. Warriors rallied to get to within eight late in the fourth, but the Mavs held on for the win. Mavs shot 50% from the field, hit 20 of 43 trays. Luka Dantish led the Mavs with 30 points, 14 rebounds, 9 assists. Dorian Finney-Smith had 23, Reggie Bullock 18, while Golden State was led by Stephen Curry with 20. Bob
0: Stevens, Dallas. Game 5 is Thursday night in California. No NBA team has ever come back from a 3-0 deficit to win a best-of-seven series. Golden State Warriors coach Steve Kerr refused to talk about basketball at a pregame news conference on Tuesday. Instead, an emotional Kerr called for a stricter gun control after the killing of at least 19 children and two adults in a Texas school shooting.
2: In the last 10 days, we've had
0: elderly black people killed in a supermarket
2: in Buffalo. We've had Asian churchgoers killed in Southern California. And now we have children murdered at school. When are we going to do something?
0: Authorities said an 18-year-old gunman opened fire at an elementary school in South Texas, about 80 miles, 130 kilometers west of San Antonio, before he apparently was killed by police officers. Many professional sports teams around the U.S., including the Mavericks and Warriors, held a moment of silence to mourn those killed. And now we have some soccer news to kick around. Today, the British government issued a license that permits the sale of Premier League club Chelsea to a consortium led by American Todd Boley and backed by Clear Lake Capital. Boley is a part owner of the Los Angeles Dodgers professional baseball team in the U.S. Chelsea's current owner, Roman Abramovich, is under British government sanctions. He put the London club up for sale in early March following Russia's invasion of Ukraine. British sports minister Nadine Doris said today on Twitter the government is satisfied the proceeds of the sale will not go to Abramovich or other Russians under sanctions. The club earlier said proceeds from the sale will be donated to charitable causes. On Tuesday, the Premier League approved the $5.33 billion deal. Until the sale was settled, Chelsea's assets were frozen so the team could not conduct and transfer business with existing players or external targets. Now, it will be business as usual and management would be looking to catch up on players' transfers. Chelsea won the Champions League last season, finished third in the Premier League but lost to Liverpool in the finals of the FA Cup and League Cup. Also on the pitch, ahead of today's inaugural UEFA Europe Conference League final, Faye Unord head coach Arno Slot ramped up the pressure against Jose Mourinho AS Roma. At a UEFA news conference yesterday in Tirana, Albania, Slot acknowledged Roma's strength, but said his side is ready. As Roma has a big tradition,
4: and is a very big club uh, in, uh, in Italy, they have some very good players, uh, some very creative players up front, a goal scorer with Tammy Abraham, and they're able to defend very well. So, um, yeah, what we saw was a team that is structured, organized very well, and also has the same style of play almost in every match. So I think we know what to expect, although you never know because um, sometimes their coach uh, has a little twitch uh, in, in his game plan. But uh, we've seen a lot, so we hope we are prepared in the, in the right way. And if he does surprise us, then um, I just said to, um, to the Dutch media, we've played 55 games, so it would be... Uh, a, a big surprise if he could think of something that we haven't met
0: yet. A victory for Slot's Feu Nord would see them become the first team to have lifted all three of Europe's current club trophies, having won the 1970 European Cup and the UEFA Cup twice in 1974 and 2002. For his part, Mourinho was equally confident at a UEFA news conference, and he downplayed criticism that the venue, the 22,500-seater Air Albania Stadium, in Tirana is too small for such a high level event. Of course UEFA can be criticized because the stadium uh, doesn't have 50 or 60,000 people but UEFA cannot be criticized to take football everywhere to take football to
1: emergent
0: uh, countries So I'm happy I'm happy to come I'm happy to come I'm happy to play this. This Albanian final, if you can can call it this way. The inaugural championships kick off at 1900 UTC. On Tuesday's show, we mentioned Rwandan official Salima Mukansanga has become one of the first three women referees selected for this year's Men's FIFA World Cup. She will join Yoshimi Yamashita from Japan and Stephanie Frapar from France officiating in Qatar when the World Cup kicks off later in November. VOA's Gwen Uten takes us back to earlier this year when Salima Mukansanga made history as the first woman to ever officiate the African Cup of Nations tournament.
6: In January, history was made on the pitch when Rwandan Salima Mukansanga became the first woman to officiate at the Africa Cup of Nations. Mukansanga walked on the field holding the match ball accompanied by three male match officials. And during the game, which saw Zimbabwe defeat Guinea 2-1, she showed a total of six yellow cards and separated players on the field. Ugandan sports journalist Usher Komenge Isha told Reuters News the ease and determination Mukansanga displayed on the pitch are the same traits that helped her reach the pinnacle of soccer on the African continent you have to go all the way back to 1957 that is 65 years of uh, Afcon history and she's right here in the center and doing an incredible job you know when i see her uh, it's really a story of um, you know a woman who is resilient uh, at 33 she's handling uh, you know games at the biggest tournament on this continent it's an inspiration for women uh, who want to be like her because in fact for so many people who don't know when she started uh, her career when she got the interest uh, to be uh, a referee. She was playing football in primary and secondary school. uh, And then uh, the Rwandan FA at the time said, look, you're very young to be a referee. Uh, But she waited out. She taught herself uh, the rules of the game. And here she is. Soccer fans in attendance for the Zimbabwe-Guinea match said they are inspired by Mukansanga's achievements. And Zimbabwe supporter Felicia Chisepo says this year's historic event is a big step forward for women in Africa. Seeing a women being empowered, uh, this means that we're going forward and uh, moving as Africa, whereby uh, women are being represented and are being also involved in these sports that, you know, for a long time is regarded as for men. So seeing a women, uh, it also shows power. We're seeing women doing great things. So I'm so proud uh, of the referee, and I'm also proud of me as a woman. And Daphne Tinomuoto says Bukasanga has inspired female athletes to reach even greater heights in competition. So I think it's going to inspire other women in the continent to compete and go for the course as well so that they can compete in on greater events like the African competitions. Mukasanga's rise to the pinnacle of football was fueled by a passion for the sport, with an interest first as a player that shifted to the middle of the field as a referee. Egide Kayatesi remembers training Mukasanga in her youth. Speaking in Kenyawanda, the veteran coach says she remembers her as a standout athlete.
1: <laughs>
6: Kayatesi says, "I had a good time with her. Mukasanga has an exceptional character, and when she has a match, she prepares for it by consulting refereeing books to do things correctly. She is someone who gives great importance to each game, and that's why Salima has reached this level. Mukasanga was involved in matches at the Tokyo Olympics last year and the women's." world cup in france in 2019 and she will make history again this year as one of the first female referees in history to officiate at the men's fifa world cup soccer's biggest global event
0: thank you gwen i am voa's yeheyus wuhib in washington and you are listening to the sunny side of sports
5: Africa News Tonight, we let the sound tell the story, putting you in the middle of events from Africa's news to world crises. Africa News Tonight comes to you live from the Voice of America, Monday through Friday at 1600 and 1800 UTC on the following shortwave frequencies, 60-80 kilohertz. meter band and 15,580 kilohertz 19.2 meter band We are also live on the internet at www.voaafrica.com
0: Turning to World Athletics, the $1.4 billion Tokyo National Stadium, built by the Japanese government for last year's Olympics, is being viewed as a site for track and field's world championships. An inspection team from World Athletics, the governing body of the sport, met with Tokyo Governor Yuriko Koike Wednesday and was to tour the stadium on Thursday. Koike said her city had proven its ability to host major sports events when it managed to hold the successful 2021 Summer Games, which were delayed a year by the COVID-19 pandemic. Antti Pilakoski, World Athletic Evaluation Panel chairman, praised the Japanese effort for the Olympics. I do believe that there is no other city in the world that could have organized competitions during the COVID time and you did it with a very great manner and all the sporting world owns you the very big thank you. But he noted Tokyo has competition in the bid to host the World Athletics Championships in either 2025 or 2027. And for World Championships we have four candidates for 2025 and we are very lucky to have very strong candidates. But I can congratulate you because you have great facilities. You have a very competent team. We have met them today and, and your plans are excellent. So I wish best of luck for the bid of Tokyo. Eugene, Oregon is the venue in July for the next world championships, which were postponed from 2021 to make way for the Olympics. Budapest-Hungary hosts in 2023. Tokyo's rivals include Nairobi and Australia. Closing out the show, let's climb into the boxing ring. Canelo Alvarez will return to super middleweight and face Gennady Golovkin. In their trilogy fight on September 17th, promoters Matchroom Boxing made the announcement. Alvarez, who holds all four major belts at super middleweight, stepped up to light heavyweight earlier this month, but was beaten by Russian Dmitry Bayovol in only the second loss of his career. Alvarez and Golovkin, known as GGG, first met in 2017 and fought to a split draw before the 31-year-old Mexican secured a narrow win on points a year later. And that wraps up the May 25th edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I'm the OAZ Hayes Wooheb in Washington, and that's the sunny side of sports.